This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Town TV. This is Brian here with Paul, and today we're going to be covering Disney Plus's juggernaut show, The Mandalorian. This is going to be season three, episode six, chapter 22, entitled guns for hire and before we dive into it i do want to re-ratch you over to bingetowntv.com we cover a bunch of other shows just this month alone we wrapped up on shadow and bone we are ongoing with our season two coverage of yellow jackets and we have like a dozen other shows backlog over 400 episodes in our library. You can find it all on bingetowntv.com. So I encourage you to go out and do that. And the easiest way to support the podcast is just hitting that subscribe button, please. And thank you. So let's get into this episode. And to address the bantha in the room, we are a man down. Once again, Paul is subbing in for producer Dave. So another two-man podcast episode, but Honestly, I don't even mind. This was not the deepest episode, as I think everybody can realize. It is sitting actually uh, significantly the lowest rated episode on IMDb ever for The Mandalorian. I think it's a 6.5, something like that. And that's not to say it was a bad episode. I think they did some cool things. Uh, A good look into droid culture, which I always love the droids, but it was very, very campy. And I think they knew that that's why they opened the floodgates to all the cameos, et cetera, et cetera. But Paul, let me know how you're feeling about this episode. And if you want to comment on the last episode. Yeah. Last episode was great. Definitely upset. I couldn't be on it. <laughs> yeah, I did miss out. But uh, when you said in that intro, Dave's not on this episode, but I'm not too upset. I'm like, damn, Brian. No, but then you, no, no, you no, went no, on no, to no. explain it was it was because of the episode content. But yes, uh, I feel like a quokta calling the stifling slimy because Ooh. I wasn't on last week. So now I'm on this week's. But I thought it was a great episode. I really enjoyed it. I understand why it's so lowly rated. The guest star appearances, fucking so good. I love the world building, even though it was so subtle. Everything about this place kind of makes sense, even even in the sense that he can't have his own military. Captain Bombardier can't even have his own military because of his imperial past. Makes complete sense. And that's like the whole reason of, of this episode's mission. And... I just love the writing. So good. We got a freaking Count Dooku reference. Hell yeah. Lots of callbacks to the Clone Wars, which is awesome. I always love to see that. But yeah, Dooku name drop. Loved it. Beautiful. Yeah, I think it sounds like we're kind of on the same page. We both enjoyed it probably more than the general fandom. I thought they did a lot of cool stuff, but I think they were able to unleash Jack Black and fucking Lizzo, who knew she could act. Loved it. They were able to unleash them and just be like, be as zany as possible, because this was kind of like one of those filler episodes. We have some important Mando stuff that happens at the end, but this is honestly just Mandalorian noir. They like solve an investigation. It was kind of cool. Yeah, it was like CSI Plazier 15. Absolutely. And we start off, honestly, they kind of set the tone for the episode with this 
overblown like Mon Calamari and Corin romance that is intercepted by Axe Wolves, who is the Mandalorian privateer, who is the interim commander of the Mandalorian fleet, which was taken from Bo-Katan. So I think we've met Axe Wolves and the other chick, Cosco Reeves. So they have ascended to just leadership within there. We get this standoff between the privateers. We get their background. They're now working as mercenaries. Uh, they say they have a contract to collect in Plazier 6. But it was soapy, like this little romance going on between the squid people. What do you think, Paul? I, I dug it. I, I Honestly, <laughs> it was a story that I could get behind. I don't know why, but the writing is just so good. But like... In the end, when when the Mon Calamari and the captain are like touching each other's faces and kissing, Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm actually feeling something. But at the same time, I hope nobody that doesn't know Star Wars walks in because they're going to see this and be like, what the fuck are you watching? Um, So I understand how some people can be like, what is what is happening? But Mm -hmm. I thought it was just great, you know, world building, you know, freaking interspecies love triangle not love triangle <laughs> Dr- forbidden love i guess is what i'm going for um yeah it was a little romeo and juliet but like with only 20 seconds of screen time <laughs> when he was just like was that all this was to you and she was like no my darling i was feeling it for sure Child- childish but- fling Coincidentally, the Corin and the Mon Calamari share a same planet and they are technically diplomatically friendly with each other but Yes. You could cut the tension with a knife between those two species. A yeah. little bit of lore for you. But yeah, then we flash from this opening scene to Din, Bo-Katan, and Grogu just kind of descending onto Plazier 15. Essentially, the planet takes control of their directions, navigations, whatever, lands them onto the docking bay as they kind of disembark. Uh, they are greeted by Imperial droids, which kind of sets this ongoing narrative of Plazier 15 has repurposed all of their Imperial droids instead of just sending them to the scrap heap like the New Republic tends to do with old Imperial tech, which has really just been an ongoing narrative throughout this entire season. They enter onto this hyperloop. The PA asks to scan their chain codes. They give it up. Then Bo-Katan, our leaders would like to have a word with you. I did not know what they were about to walk into. I was expecting them to be met with hostility or something like that. But then I saw Jack Black and Lizzo just holding this extravagant feast. And if I'm being honest, I was completely sus on both of them until they passed the Grogu vibe check. Once he jumped (laughs) into Lizzo's arms, I'm like, oh, I don't have to worry about these two. They're good. That is so funny. Because I, I guess I'm, I'm on the same boat because I was like, you know, stand. I, I was just, I was tiptoeing around. I'm not exactly sure. But mm-hmm. yeah, you're so right. As soon as Grogu flips into Lizzo's arms, you're like, all right, they're, they're cool. They're cool. I think this was a complete fucking setup on purpose. Complete misdirection because the end of last episode, they give us the whole Moff Gideon reveal. Then mm-hmm. we come in here. They land. First of all the i i still don't know how i feel about like the ability for to to auto lock a ship and kind of like bring it in you know because i feel like that's been around forever i understand that beams yeah i understand that the tractor beams are like on a big ship or on a base where there's a lot of mechanics behind it to like help drag it in but i'm like how's nobody 
thought of a reverse reverse tractor beam. Well, I think they talked about that actually. They were like just to cancel it out. Yeah, somebody got hit by the tractor beam, then they hit the reverse tractor beam, and then they hit hit with the reverse reverse. I forget when exactly it was, but um, I don't know. I guess I'm thinking like this is still a thing happening all the way in you know New Hope when they're getting sucked in to uh the Death Star. But anyway, I just went on a long tangent about tractor beams. The I thought this was a setup because they they get onto the ground, they see the Imperial droids. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, all right, we're going in to see Moff Gideon, right? This is what this is like fucking city in the clouds all over again where they walk Very in. True. And Darth Vader's right there, except it was fucking Jack Black and Lizzo. And I love them together. I thought they were so good. Jack Black's amazing. I mean, I totally bought this eccentric captain, even though like I, he's just so good. Um, like a little sip sip. Yeah. <laughs> I really do think they just told him, do whatever you want, be a zany, like the zanier, the better. And he just went full force to it. He he was great. And honestly, Lizzo and Jack Black, who knew they could work as like a comedic pair? I was loving it. I could like tell it was Lizzo's first time acting, but she wasn't bad by any means. I think no. she had some chops. I thought she was great. They played a great like lovey-dovey couple too. Just my dear yep. and like all that. And I was totally getting vibes. You know, they they talk about what they need to do, who they're here to see. And they're like, oh, yeah. And they kind of this is where they get the politics all out and say, hey, he can't Mm -hmm. have a military. We're the last democracy. But blah, blah, blah. He was Uh, I don't think we've said he was in the amnesty program. He used to be a facilities officer for the Empire. And then I think it was the PA system previously that told us Plazier 15 is the last remaining democracy in the outer rim. And I think that's just a little building into that narrative that the new republic is losing control if their democracy is not as prevalent in the outer rim as the name suggests that's like the four the furthest reaches of the galaxy so they're starting to lose control farther away from coruscant yeah and it makes sense because what we saw all of dr pershing's episode is the new republic struggling to even have enough resources and people to to get shit running again um, so yep. I kind of do like how that is teaching us this entire season. It is building that new Republic is struggling. Um, really could have used Princess Leia. You know, if she was here, she'd probably sure. help. And then when they say, hey, can we walk and talk real quick and reveal Look that the view? Yeah, <laughs> they talk about the droid issue. I was just getting total vibes of uh, Obi-Wan from Revenge of the Sith. Um, when he lands on the planet, I can't remember the name of the planet where he fights. Oh my God. General Grievous. Grievous? Yes. I could not think of that. General uh, Grievous. And, and he's like, Oh, why don't you walk with I me? I want to say the... Utapau or something like that. Yeah. And the guy with the teeth, he's like, where they're watching us. That's what I was getting. This, yeah. this whole like secretive, we need your help vibe. Same. Yeah. I thought there was going to be an empire presence, but it did seem the reveal was less drastic than that was. Apparently he just spells it out. They've been having droid malfunctions. Jack Black seems to think that they're targeted or like an orchestrated attack. Lizzo isn't as concerned as that, but there's this whole thing since he's their leader from the amnesty program, part of their uh, conditions to sign the charter. They can't have a standing army even enter their city. That's why Axe Wolves and the Mandalorian privateers have to stay outside the city limits. 
but there's a loophole because they're a pluralistic society that they can invite Mandalorians in. And since weapons are intrinsic to their culture, you see where we're going with this. I thought it was very nice how they gave us all of those details and made it such that the Mandalorians are really the only solution to this problem. Absolutely. Uh, like I said in the beginning, it just makes perfect sense for the rest of the episode. I mean, they set it up perfectly. Can't have a military need you guys. But, you know, guns are part of your religion. Perfect. Absolutely great execution. And Bo-Katan correctly points out that she is no longer a mercenary. And Jack Black is quick to say, oh, no, 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 no. This isn't just you giving us something in exchange for money. We have heard that you have desires to retake Mandalore. He also is referring to her as Princess Kreese instead of Bo-Katan Kreese. So ah. he's acknowledging her royalty and he's saying, listen, Plazier 15, sign the charter. We're part of the New Republic. We can curry favor with other politicians and essentially recognize Mandalore as a sovereign system, which is great. You know, if they want to start up Mandalore again, they're going to need political allies and Fuck, if that means Jack Black, we're going to see him again. I'm all in. I didn't. Yeah, hell yeah. More Jack Black, <laughs> the better. I didn't realize that he was calling her Princess Kreese, and that is just a great way to kind of like stroke her ego a little bit. He and knows with, how to play the game. Perfect. I didn't even realize. I think it, he, he definitely does it at least once. I know it happens, though. I digress with their mission in hand. Din and Bo-Katan head off to see the head of droid operations or the head of security. Captain Hellgate, also played by famous person Christopher Lloyd of Back to the Future fame. Oh, Shout yeah. out to Doc Brown. Uh, so he show that shows them videotapes of the malfunctions happening. The one, the fucking sushi droid just spazzing out with knives like that's actual violence for this Disney Star Wars show. Yeah, they, they didn't, didn't show it on screen, but you heard like flesh wounds happening. Mm -hmm. I heard uh, I loved it, too. It was just like a the whole premise too of oh we can't deactivate them because our society would collapse. Very so interesting. Ask, right. Yeah. I mean, that's almost like us, too. If the Internet was like t terrorizing people and they'd be like, shut it down. Be like, we can't shut down the Internet. <laughs> well, I think we get to it a little bit later in the droid bar, but I like how they flip the narrative of at the moment, humans are scared shitless. That technology is going to take over our jobs. But now they kind of flip the script and the droids are appreciative to just do the jobs for the humans so they can sit on their butts all day i thought it was just a very interesting way to approach this yeah you've been talking about it how they've been you know humanizing the droids more than normal and mm -hmm. they've been really leaning into that maybe they were doing that just to you know set up this episode to even get us to accept the fact that there is such a thing as a droid bar like i've in my mm -hmm. head in my head a, a droid would always just kind of belong to uh, somebody that would like utilize like that one, like fucking Uncle Owen or Luke. Right. And it's well, it's wild to think that they have their own freedom or they want their own freedom to go out and drink some Nepanthe. So and I think they did explain that Jack Black specifically wanted to make sure since their society relies on these droids that mm -hmm. they are in good spirits and well refreshed and well fed, hence the droid bars and stuff. So I'm not sure if that's. A okay. culturally accepted thing all over the place. I'm sure it's not unheard of, but definitely in Plazier 15, they want to take care of their droids more than probably fucking Uncle Owen would. Plazier 15, dude, ahead of its time. Yeah, place to be, right? So anyway, after going with 
Hellgate. Uh, Hellgate says you'll have to deal with the Ugnots in the lower level if you want to find out where the next one's going to happen. And how great was this Ugnot scene? Honestly, I... Mm. You know me, Paul. I'm a Queel fan. I love Queel. <laughs> so to see Din just take those lessons and just grab this entire room of Ugnaughts by the scruff of the neck and be like, this is why we're here. We mean no disrespect. We're just trying to complete our task. If you guys could help us out, we'd be very appreciative. I have spoken. Fucking you just got to know how to deal. So great, dude. The fact that you know everything from season one is coming into play you know skipping a season coming in season three so great so good to see mando like picking up just just by traveling he's picking up so much information of how to deal with how to act with certain species blah 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 it's so cool the ugnats i loved how they respected quill too as soon as he drops Mm -hmm. that name they're like quill you know him or you knew him it was a great scene. And honestly, when we first saw the Ugnaughts, I was like, here we go. This is going to be a difficult conversation. <laughs> and, it, and it was in the beginning. But it was for Bo-Katan, that's for sure. Din is like, here, it's, it's really easy. Let me show you how it's done. I will say, though, that is one knock against Bo-Katan. She's not really a people's person. She can be a little bit abrasive. And if Din wasn't there, she would not have been able to <laughs> progress the mission past the Ugnaughts. That's funny you say that, because her aspect was totally different when it came to the droids. She was like, you relaxed, stop threatening the droids, let me talk to him. But then it comes to the Ugnaughts and she's like, she doesn't know what's going on. She's like, this is annoying. And maybe that's all to say they just need each other to be one effective Mandalorian leader. I I think Bo-Katan is going to wind up relying on Din as we move forward. Though, I digress. The Ugnaughts do respond to Din's communication style. I love how the next scene, they're in the Hyperloop, and Bo-Katan's like, uh, what the hell just happened back there? And he's just like, ah, I've dealt with them before. Um, (laughs) It's like a different language, but it's a language you understand. It's it's so weird. Oh, yeah. So the Ugnaughts told them that the next malfunction they project to happen at the loading docks. And then we get this awesome scene where we see completely CGI'd out B1 and B2 battle droids. The battle droids are way fiercer than they were ever looked back in the old movies. These things are moving. These things are fucking crushing them with a backhand. And the B1 battle droid who is acting as the foreman is hilarious as per usual. Yeah, uh, I love that. Um, I also love Din just kicking all the droids. Like, fuck yeah. you, fuck you, fuck you. Um, Shouldn't bother them. D- they're so menacing looking. I love them so much. I even love them. I was like, dude, I killed so many of you in th- the video game Revenge of the Sith. I fucking was murdering you left and right. But it's still intimidating to see them come into the show. And I will say there is some truth behind however they were animating it, CGIing it. They had such human esque running form. Oh yes, yeah. and it, it was it was eerie to to a point because you're not used to seeing droids run so human esque. You know, usually there's mechanical, but it was it was pretty fluid looking, and you know that chasing was wild. I don't think we've gotten a full appreciation for how strong or, like you said, how menacing these guys are because usually we see them in single file just kind of like marching in position against I've jedi. never seen one full sp- against jedi who are just inherently glitch against any sort of droid they just cut through them like butter these guys are bad news and they probably would have had the clone army with their hands full so 
I, I like that they are just showing them in this fashion. A great chase scene, probably the most action we get all episode, but it was satisfying the itch for me. Um, and then they find a spark pad on this droid, which leads them to this droid bar, the resistor. And they have a nice conversation with this bartender droid who actually happens to be the husband of Bryce Dallas Howard, who directed this episode. But this is kind of where the droids are just like, hey, don't play hardball with us. We want to figure out what's going on, too. We're afraid that if this continues, then they're going to send us all to the scrap heap like the New Republic would. We love it here on Plaza 15. They're the only ones that appreciate us and give us the second chance. We still have a lot left to offer. What did they say? Organics created us. It's the least we can do. Organics. Well, that's, I love that little term. Right. I, again, this just made complete sense to me because it was such a logical thinking, but it was such a twist at the same time because I'm like, wow, usually it's just, you know, droids or machines just take over and hate humans because they're destroying everything. But it's cool that they actually have the aspect to them that, hey, they created us. You know, if we're not useful, we're probably going to be destroyed, too. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad to help them out. That's what we were kind of made for. I was like, damn, OK. So this guy, this uh, this tender was was pretty cool. Absolutely. He even says human life is so short. They don't ask too much of us. Like, <laughs> why not? We live forever. We can just serve them for a little bit. I don't know. I, I have never seen this perspective of robotics, like appreciating it. And it's like you said, like they're just humanizing the droids this season, which I really, really like. Um, so, yeah, then they get to talk into the bartender in the back. Yes, you're doing the finger motions. <laughs> Everybody's probably still salivating at how that CGI worked. Him just flipping through the data files oh, or whatever. So satisfying. Oh, the best of the best. And we find out that all of. Well, first, we get the background of the Nepenthe, like all of the droids on Plaza 15 are fed this Nepenthe so that if there's a. I don't know, an update to their programming. They can feed it to the droids through this Nepenthe, which is just a cure-all lubricant. Keep keep the gears turning, essentially. We find out that all of our malfunctioning droids have been consuming from the same batch of Nepenthe. So, you know, we're following the paper trail. Now, Din and BK go to the lab, talk to the scientists about what they can find from this batch of Nepenthe. And if the particles are still present, obviously the fucking analysis droid goes haywire. I, whoever this actress was, that was the scientist. I thought she was perfect when she turns around and it's just like, it's illegal. I was <laughs> like, yes, just keep being as over dramatic as possible. I just love every part of it. You belong in a star Wars laboratory. Yeah, she was great, man. I didn't even, it, and it's such a simple thing, but I didn't even think about, you know, as soon as that medical droid extracted the Nepanthe, I wasn't thinking, oh, it's going to affect them as well. Right. And it's, it's just makes sense. It's just started freaking the fuck out, reprogrammed everything. And it was a surgical droid. So there's lasers going everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, it was nuts. And yet that fucking line where she turns around, um, it's illegal. <laughs> Is that unusual? It's illegal. That's yeah. that's fucking up there. That was so funny. Could potentially be the last time we ever see Din wield the dark saber to oh slice that bad boy to yeah. slice something. Yeah, was... I have a feeling Bo-Katan's gonna be knocked out and he'll have to pick it up and yeah. it'll finally like work smoothly for him because he'll have earned it. 
Yeah, or it's finally with like the right owner or, mm. or something. Um, I don't know exactly. I didn't exactly follow how they backtracked it to captain, but like so I can because that's actually ties into the Clone Wars a little bit because we find out that he was a Dooku loyalist and a separatist. So the chain code of the nanobots, whatever, I don't know if that's the right term. I'm sure uh, it's all made up anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so the chain code on the nanobots was originally created by the Techno Union, which was formerly aligned itself with the separatists and pro- provided them the droid army. So This nanobot technology was originally made by this entity called or this group called the Techno Union, and it was held in cold storage for decades and decades. And then they were able to see where that batch was requisitioned by the batch was directly requisitioned by the security office. And she's like, that's illegal. They can't Mm. just fucking do this off the books. But the Techno Union tie in was a nod to the separatist movement that was part of the Clone Wars. That's awesome because I heard Techno Union and all I could think about was that's a dope name for a club. Um, and- I was, yeah, <laughs> I was thinking a Union Berlin, which is a soccer team in the Bundesliga, but also a discotheque, yeah. which is like Techno Union. Hell yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, I thought that was made up, but the fact that, like that that ties into the separatist and Dooku again, just fucking great. Mm-hmm. So... All roads lead back to head of security, Commissioner Hellgate. And they should have seen it coming with a name like Hellgate, but seriously. So they go back to him. They confront him. They're like, well, we got you, man. We know you're responsible for the Nepenthe. And here's the proof, motherfucker. And he's like, oh, (laughs) I got my butt, my hand on the button. I can switch all the droids back to battle droids. Yeah, that was funny. I... (laughs) I was I was thinking that he was going to like play innocent for a little bit. But like, what are you talking about, man? Yeah. But he immediately is like, fine, you fucking got me. But don't move. Just uh, an old guy with nothing to lose. Yeah. And I, as soon as he hit that, you know, Count Dooku was a visionary. I yeah. I was like, dude, this is so cool. This is this is hitting me at home because, you know, it's a it's a, you know, bad guy origin story from another bad guy origin story from fucking 10 years ago it's great i love it um the takedown was pretty cool too you're like come on you're a terrible fucking terrorist if you're if you're you're leaning that far away and getting too animated for sure but yeah he was a dooku loyalist dooku was an interesting character because as we're seeing the republic and i guess the previous iteration of the republic was not perfect so he was just considered himself a revolutionary that wanted to split away from anybody's overarching rule um and as we know this new republic is not going to last because we know what the sequel trilogies have in store for us with the first order so perhaps another visionary revolutionary a la count dooku rises up and kind of heralds in discourse that brings us to the first order eventually but that's just theorizing spectacularly all we know is the new republic is pretty incompetent and in over their head at the moment but yeah. yes i mean we talk about it all the time you know a president how the hell are the president of the u.s supposed to get a whole country to agree with something how yeah. the hell are you supposed <laughs> to have like one government over all these systems like it just it just doesn't work they're gonna have different views and stuff like that so 
in my eyes, it makes sense that, you know, if somebody comes up with a new ideal and, you know, tries to get people to follow it, of course, people are going to follow it because they're like, this shit sucks currently. A lot easier when you have an omnipotent Sith Lord pulling the strings. I've heard that makes a galactic (laughs) much, much more efficient, more convincing. Right. So Din and Bo-Katan take Hellgate back to Lizzo and Jack Black to answer to his crimes. Lizzo is very disappointed in him. Um, Jack Black says despicable. And we get this great. If that isn't the quack to call in the stippling slimy. I love that quote. Grogu is loving Lizzo all the while, by the way. They're playing like a croquet croquette game with like pill bugs. Quadro blast. Yeah, Grogu uses the force to help her do very well in it. I love the Lizzo Grogu connection. I did oh not yeah, see no, that. he he uses the force for sure. That's wild. I love him. Everybody does. That's that's ah, that makes sense because Jack Black's like, oh, quadro blast. I've never seen mm-hmm. such a streak. That makes sense. Um, yeah, Lizzo's acting of being disappointed was actually pretty good. I thought she was. I thought she was good this episode, but she was um, good. She was good. Um, when she handed Bo-Katan that key, I was like, what the fuck is she going to do with that key? She's just going to hang it up. Is she going to use that key and melt it to make like a weapon? Like that's keep a- it in the ship <laughs> and just take up space. That thing is so funny. Never that actually know when you're going to need to get into Plaza or 15. I hope to God it comes into play later because that would be amazing. Um, Rogu gets knighted. That is crazy. He's right? Sir, Sir Grogu, I guess. I don't know Already- if that's the proper term or whatever but well we'll call him sir grogu honestly just checking boxes on his resume at this point you know nice, why not yeah. make him a knight they did i do want to bring up because it seems like it com- could come into play later uh, uh officer hellgate i don't know if his name officer whatever hellgate is now missioner missioner commissioner hellgate is now exiled on one of the moons and that's crazy mm. because I don't know if he if we're going to see him go there and there's going to be other fucking old enemies or villains there or what. Or, you know, they did just say you're exiled from Plazier 15. So I doubt there's going to be anybody crazy. But yeah, still interesting to know that there's like that little not jail, but it's, you know, exile. Yeah. And maybe someone who's also a separatist sympathizer could break him out. He also has ties to this very honestly overpowered nanotechnology so someone could have incentive to break him out of exile or whatever but yes a loose end in commissioner hellgate so to wrap this episode up all of that investigation work was just to allow bo-katan to confront these privateers namely axe wolves who is the standing commander of the mandalorian fleet i want this fleet bad man we got an imperial light cruiser and just like 18 Bo-Katan ships. I'm like, ooh, we need these guys if we're taking back Mandalore. I'll tell you that much right now. And we get a awesome 1v1 duel between Axe and Bo-Katan. How would Axe not be the leader with the name like Axe Wolves? Like, of course she's going to be the fucking leader of this merchant. Yeah, it's the coolest, sure. coolest fucking name ever. Um, I thought he was great last episode with his, you know, negotiation slash, you know, strong hand. Or was that the beginning of this episode? Beginning of this episode, yeah. Sorry. I just, I thought he was great and he made sense. He's like, hey, I'm a mercenary. This is no no hard feelings. So he, I thought he was like good 
secondary leader behind Bo-Katan to follow. I thought he was convincing. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> also, that fleet, man. That, that was fucking <laughs> sexy. I had, she kept saying fleet, but I had no idea it was that big. I knew they had the Imperial Cruiser, but like, Jesus Christ, that thing's uh, intimidating. Um, and I just got to say, Bo-Katan utilized all of the weapons and Mandalorian armor so much more efficiently than Axe. Like, no right. wonder, no wonder she is like the the hardcore leader in the princess. The way she was kind of falling off the ship and then used a grappling hook to grab him and pull him in, like mm-hmm. off too. Just so great. It was so fun to watch. I, I could watch Mandalorians fight all day. Yeah, right. She's queen of the jetpack. That's she just had an advantage over anybody with the jetpack. Very Iron Man esque. Some of her mm-hmm. movements in the air. Though I digress. She event. Go ahead. You had a comment. Well, I just I was gonna bring in this last scene because I felt Let's super go. vindicated. You know, she finally gets him to yield after you know submitting him, and you know, of course, she's got to spit something back—a little insult. You're you'll never be the true leader. Uh, you, you should be challenging him over there with the dark saber not me you know you'll never actually rule and din's like hey you know what she does have the dark saber and she's like dude we've been over this you can't gift it and we're totally right after the second episode our recording yep. we talked about it we were like is she the fucking owner of the dark saber din lays it out i was captured bo katan defeated the person that captured me the person that captured me also took the dark saber off me. That was important too, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that he took him off him after capturing him, and Bo-Katan saves him. She is now the fucking owner of the dark saber. As soon as Din said, "Then fine, she'll have it, and it's not a gift." I was like, "All right, here we go." I knew what was coming. I knew Bo-Katan was going to end the the scene with the dark saber in her hand. Yep. But the goosebumps that I fucking got was still insane. I was like, here we fucking go. This is so good. I was in. This is how it should be. Din can focus on just being Grogu's dad and maybe just head of the head of security, head of the militia, whatever. Bo-Katan's go to right hand man. But she's the leader. She is the bridge. She is the avatar. She is going to be the one to bring in this new age of Mandalore. I'm hype. The one really, that walks- I am. The one that works two worlds. It's crazy. It makes sense. It feels right. You know what I mean? Definitely. Seeing her with the dark saber. Um, I was tired of watching Din struggle with it. I'm pissed though that it wouldn't work for him because I would have liked to seen him with the dark saber in full force. Wasn't meant to be. Also, did not appreciate Axe Wolves uh shot at Din saying he wasn't a real Mandalorian because uh, he didn't have the blood and Bo-Katan puts him in his place. She's like, this guy took the creed, swore it in like our ancestors. He is just as Mandalorian as any of us. And he doesn't have a dumb name like Axe Wolves, <laughs> even though it's I, a cool name and she's jealous cool, of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I totally agree. Just because, you know, he's more Mandalorian than fucking any of you. Honestly, if you want to look at it like that. I would agree with that, but great, great fucking episode. Great fucking episode. This was episode six. I think eight episode seasons. We got two episodes left. If it's mm-hmm. anything like the past two seasons, the next two are going to be absolute bangers. My guess is now that they have the fleet, they're going to rendezvous with the covert, the armor, and we are full speed ahead to Mandalore with just all the Mandalorians. I think Moff Gideon may have moved into Mandalore. That's, just something i think 
I it could definitely be a thing. I mean, we where saw, would you hide if if you had to hide? You would hide on a planet that everybody thinks is poisonous. We saw um earlier in the season when they bombed Bo-Katan's castle. Uh, I forget what that planet is called, but it's in the Mandalorian system. She had a comment saying, "Wow, this is a lot of fighters they're sending. This is." more than what you would expect from your run-of-the-mill warlord so yes oh kalavala i'm an idiot kalavala yes that's the one navarre is the one with uh grief cargo so is moff gideon on kalavala maybe he moved in on bo-katan spot is he on mandalore i i don't know i think that's where we're headed um paul you got anything else before i wrap this up um yeah just like you said i feel like if this is the last two episodes of the season we're gonna get a crazy cliffhanger after a great episode for episode seven and then episode eight is going to wrap everything up probably going to be crying like i was in the finale of season <laughs> two um i love the show and i'm so ready for the for the end of the season hey we got luke last season maybe we'll get leia this season but uh you know fingers crossed that's gonna do it for episode six coverage of the mandalorian we are hoping to be full force with all three of us for the next two episodes also finger fingers crossed for that as always if you like what you heard give Binchtown tv a follow on twitter and instagram visit us on bingetowntv.com and subscribe to our show on spotify youtube the apple podcast app or wherever else you may find your podcast once again we are Binchtown tv and thanks for listening i have spoken Ooh, nice <laughs>